0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Copper and Kings, pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. For more information, visit copperandkings.com.
2: This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses and Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
0: So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The
3: back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And in the studio today, a couple of people who are no stranger to uh, this show or to Heritage Radio Network. Um, I, I want to say first that uh, <laughs> when I first met one of these two, um, Mr. Robert Simonson, uh, he he didn't... Have a cell phone, he only had a landline. And over the past nine years or so, eight or nine years, I believe it has been since we met, um, he has now moved into the future quite substantially um, <laughs> by creating with Mr. Martin Duderoff uh, the new cocktail app, which just launched yesterday. Uh, it, it's called Modern Classics of the Cocktail Renaissance. And it's a fantastic app, and they are here in the studio today to talk about the modern classics
4: welcome to the studio guys thank you uh, thanks damon uh, glad to be back and i'd like to say that i'm still a luddite at heart
3: <laughs> um well i i wouldn't believe that by looking at the app um you've gotten you've gotten pretty deep with uh with these different modern classics and some of them i know very well maybe all too well um and some of them, I'm really excited to get into. Uh, there's mm. these different kind of categories uh, in the in the modern classic app that uh, you've kind of you've kind of taken. Some of them are not not super classic, but not super modern either. But they are very well known for us nowadays. Some of them are very regional to different parts of the world, and. Uh, those are the ones that i'm really interested in trying out myself because i haven't i haven't traveled the world uh admittedly enough as i should have by this point in my life but uh after this app uh and after getting to it i'm probably gonna change a lot of my travel schedule around to check out the the actual regional drinking of these places well um, you've, you've been to oklahoma damon that's, that's I, more than enough i know i <laughs> Never been to heaven, but I've been to Oklahoma. I love that song. (laughs) So, yeah, so you, uh, the last time you were on the show, you had come out with the book The Old Fashioned, um, which was a few years back. And 2014. 2014. Um, And a lovely book, referenced it all the time. Uh, There's so many great books that. I get to reference, but that's one of my favorite ones. It's usually within arm's reach at the bar. And um, also, as you know, the Old Fashioned is one of my favorite drinks. So it's it's easy for me. It's an easy read for me.
4: Um, It's a lot of people's favorite drink. Uh, You know, God be praised at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And through through all the
3: research for that, you started finding some other cocktails that you really liked. You became a fan of cocktails... uh, uh, in the cocktail bars about a decade ago, right when everything was starting up almost exactly a decade ago, yes, yeah, and um, it looks like this is to me like when I looked at these cocktails it's almost it's like a, very much a passion project, and it's something you like compiling these um, these different cocktail recipes' it's something that you had to experience. By yeah. going to all these places.
4: Well, I've been lucky uh, the past 10 years, a lot of these cocktails were created. And so yeah. I watched them be born, and I was in the bars, you know, when they were served and drank a lot of them. Uh, Martin has, you know, had his feet on the ground in this scene a lot longer than I have, you know, 15 to 20 years. So he's probably drunk more of them. <laughs> um, but a little background I should tell you, I mean, uh, the idea for uh, an app which cataloged all the uh, modern classics of the cartel renaissance was, was Martin's. And uh, he came to me with it, with the idea. I liked it immediately. Uh, Martin, why did you want to do this?
2: Um, I think that it was born of a couple of things. One was just that I have a, happened to have a product line and this would fill a hole um, I had a lot of old drinks covered. I had a lot of contemporary kind of world, far-flung, experimental drinks covered, um, and I had some specific bars or genres really well covered. But I could see all kinds of stuff that people really like today that wasn't covered, and a lot of those were uh, drinks that are now on this now in this new app, um, or at least drinks that we considered for it. And the other thing was just that I I spend most of my time in old cocktail books and weeding through them. And there's always this kind of separation between countless recipes, many of them being redundant, um, just thousands upon thousands of recipes that have been printed over the the last 150 years. Uh, And then this hovering over them, are these classic cocktails, which are a little amorphous, but they're the, the ones that people ultimately keep coming back to. And I've been in this scene long enough that I was sort of acutely aware that there's a lot of um, communication in this business, um, maybe not a tremendous amount of reflection. I'm not even sure that reflection is entirely welcome in this business. <laughs> But uh, it occurred to me it would be interesting to find out, and I looked around at who might be able to do this because I knew I couldn't, you know, to speak to what Robert was saying earlier. I actually have not had a lot of these drinks. Um, I had a lot of, I had a kind of a, a personal experience in the early days of the cocktail renaissance, if, which we did not call it at that time. Um, so I was familiar with those drinks, but there are a lot of contemporary drinks that I have not had. A lot of these drinks in this app I have never had, and I'm looking forward to trying in the future. Well, you have the recipes now. I do now have the recipes, <laughs> and I believe that, in, that they're the right recipes, which is good. And uh, Robert was the obvious person to do this uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, being truly independent, a truly independent entity was one of them, and the other is that I knew that he'd been working on a history of the cocktail renaissance, which meant his mind was already in the right place. And he probably had already done a lot of the legwork inadvertently, and that's how we got here.
4: Oh no, it wasn't inadvertent, it was advertent. <laughs> um, the book he's referring to is, uh, it's gonna be called uh, A Proper Drink. It's gonna be put out by Ten Speed in the fall. So for the past two years, um, I've been interviewing people up over a hun- 200 people Um, on three different continents, asking them about their role in the history of the recent cocktail revival and just trying to get that history on paper because it hadn't been done yet. Um, And at the end of every interview, I always ask them the same question. It's like, what are the modern classic cocktails in your opinion? And a lot of them all said the same thing. Everyone would always bring up say the penicillin by sam ross or uh the espresso martini by dick bradsell maybe the gin gin mule by audrey saunders but then they'd have different opinions and so i just catalog all this stuff and you know put it logging in my brain so when martin came to me you know yes i was like already thinking about this very hard
3: yeah i think it's interesting too to to note um before the show uh robert you and i were talking uh about the app and about the, the selection of cocktails on this app and you said that you have had about 30 like a third uh, of these cocktails the 99 cocktails so far that are on the app uh, actually made for you by the creators
4: yes it's a fetish of mine when I when I find the bartender I uh, and I know that they've made what a drink that sort of constitutes a modern classic I say can you please make that for me
3: because well, what's really cool about this, too, is that you can. I'd say most of these, you can actually have them made. Like, as opposed to, say, you know, like, no one's going to get a Blue Blazer made by Jerry Thomas. No. You know, uh, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. Mm. More uh, is it, the pity. Yeah. Um, till we finalize time travel, that's uh, not going to happen. But what's cool about this is that you can actually have pretty much all of these made by the, the creators. And that's just something that's never really been compiled so much throughout these years.
4: No, and it's one of the reasons, I mean, why we live in one of the greatest cities in in the world. I mean, this is what you're talking about is mainly possible here in New York City. There are um if we could get uh, Audrey Saunders actually behind the bar at the Pegu Club we can easily get like twenty of these drinks right now in New York made by the person who invented them. It's less possible in London or San Francisco or Chicago, but it is possible in those cities to a certain extent.
3: Yeah. And you said also, you know, when you were putting these recipes together, the great thing about it, too, is that you like to expand on that point. You can actually talk directly to the creator and nail down the recipe the exact way that they would. Uh, make it for you you know a lot of these old cocktail books like Martin was saying you know you've got all these different recipes for the same cocktail over the years and they get repressed sometimes the garnish changes the specs change and sometimes they just leave out certain aspects of the whole recipe altogether Um, but what's cool about this is you can actually go straight to the source and it documents the time and the place and mm-hmm. it, it leaves out any kind of guesswork with the the cocktail and its origin and etymology. It's really really important because often, as you both know, writing uh, about cocktails, it's a lot of times you don't get a the chance to uh, like edit so much and do like some fact checking. And uh, what's cool about this is it it's All that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What were some of the... uh, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit, uh, but what were, like, some of your favorite drinks that you actually had, that you guys have had, like, made by the creators?
4: Martin, you... I mean, you used to... uh, My, my. Hmm. You used to patronize some of these uh, early bars when they opened. I would... I I also wanted to ask, like, some
3: of these... uh, I mean, obviously, you won't be able to uh, get them made in the bar where they were created. Like, you're not going to be able to go to the Rainbow Room and have Dale make you something.
2: But- That's true. Although, I believe I've had every one of Audrey's drinks made by her in each of the bars she created them in. Um, I certainly uh, have had a number of Phil Ward's drinks mixed by him. Again, that all comes back to living in New York City, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well,
4: part um, of the reason that I hang out at Long Island Bar, which is a fine bar in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, is that Toby Chicchini and Phil Ward regularly bartend there, and I can ask them directly for the drinks that they invented. I actually, I had, I, it took me years, but I worked up the courage to ask Toby to make me a Cosmopolitan. I did that recently as well, and, and he didn't mind at all. No, he, he yeah. was happy to do it. Absolutely. And I, and I said. So you, you have Absolute Citron behind the bar. He says, I always have it here in case I need to make a cosmopolitan. Yeah.
3: So.
4: <laughs> I had it, and you know what? It was delicious. It's a delightful drink. It, <laughs> uh, it gets slagged on quite a lot. I'm not saying it's, you know, it'd it's be, what it is. It'd be better with tequila, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> but it sort, of, it sort of reminded me, the first cosmopolitan I had was in 1991 at a bar called Zo in Soho. I wasn't into cocktails at that point and I don't know why I asked for a cocktail but I asked for something new and and the bartender said well how about this new drink cosmopolitan and he made it for me and I thought wow (laughs) I mean in 1991 that was exciting yeah I well I,
3: (laughs) I think it was probably just as exciting in 2015 or 16 to have toby make it for you (laughs) as it was back then right yes yes (laughs) all right guys let's take a quick break and when we get back we'll continue talking with robert and martin about the modern classics of the cocktail renaissance
1: and today's break song is called better forget it's by zuli we'll be right back on heritage radio network Hey, what's up? This is Jack Insley, the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network, also the host of Full Service Radio, and I want to talk to you about brandy. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Louisville, and we all know Kentucky is whiskey territory. However, the best thing I had to drink was brandy. I got to visit Copper and King's Distillery, and they make pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, and matured with rock and roll. That's right sonic aging they're playing music to the barrels the stuff is double distilled non-chill filtered unadulterated by bois sugar or caramel color and this stuff is feisty rambunctious with a long smooth finish The stuff isn't made exactly in the style of an international brandy or a cognac It's more along the lines of an American whiskey. I can really be honest here and tell you, I'm not just reading you an ad. I'm giving you a tip. American brandy, you're not seeing it everywhere. Copper and Kings is doing it incredibly well, and they're cool people. The distillery is full of incredible art. Like I said, they're playing rock and roll to the barrels. So again, Copper and Kings, pure copper, pot-distilled American brandy, aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. That's copperandkings.com. Drink it neat, put it in a cocktail, sub it for your brown spirits, experiment, have fun, get funky. This stuff is awesome. And we are back. We have been having a good time talking
3: about uh, the modern classics with Martin Dunaroff and Robert Simonson. So, okay, let's talk about this, guys. Um, what to you is a modern classic? What, what, what are the qualifications to, to give something that title?
4: Uh, yeah, of course, that's all important. Um, and one of the first things that Martin and I talked about when we were putting together this thing, um, as I said, I was working on that book, so I had had plenty of time to think about, you know, what qualifies and why. Um, and we sort of outline it in the uh, introduction to the app. Um, uh, the first thing that I think is critical is the drink has to have, it has to have traveled beyond the bar that it was created. If a bar just stays, if a cocktail star stays at one bar, well, it's not going to become a classic. It's just going to stay there. So it moves on to other bars in that city, then moves perhaps on to other cities, and then moves perhaps to other countries. So uh, that's one of the criterion. And uh, the other two um, are sort of contingent on that first one, uh, one that other bartenders, fellow bartenders who did not create that drink, You know, taste it and think, well, this is significant, this is really good, and it's good enough to be on my bar's menu. So you get that bartender respect, and it flows throughout the community, which is very tight uh, throughout the world at this point. And the other one is, of course, the customers have to like it. It has to be a drink that they're going to order again and again. Otherwise, why do you have it on the menu? And um, so, like, the penicillin fills all these categories. It was uh, first served at Milk and Honey. It very quickly traveled around New York and then other cities. Um, Bartenders respect it Uh, People love it People who are not into cocktails at all Know what a penicillin at this point You'll see um, the most Brooklyn Brewery made a beer out of it (laughs) Oh yeah, well that's what Sam Ross said to me He said the moment that he realized That the penicillin had become a thing Is when Garrett Oliver approached him and said You want to make a beer based on this cocktail Because before that Garrett Oliver had only made a beer Based on one cocktail, the Manhattan So I mean, that's pretty good That's that's extremely impressive (laughs) Yeah, so um, that's what we went with, and we ended up dividing um the app into four categories. One was uh, bona fide cocktail classics. You know what we feel is uh, they're undisputed. You know that you know the argument can be soundly made. Um, and
2: that's just twenty six. It's twenty three. Twenty three. Twenty three. Roughly twenty. Well, fifteen years. Uh. You mean where they range? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that the it Cosmo goes back is to the cosmos. So but, it goes back quite but, a, like twenty-five years. Okay, so twenty-three.
4: Yeah, um, and then we have what we call sort of uh, not derogatorily in any way, but second-tier classics, which have have legs and have you know been seen in various bars around the country and the world, but are not as famous as these other ones. Uh, Third, we have what we call foundational drinks, drinks that were significant, created some waves at the beginning, got um, people's creative juices going, got people's bartender's minds working. Maybe you don't see them anymore today, but once upon a time, you know, they had an influence. Um, Some of those drinks at the Rainbow Room were like that. Um, A drink like uh, the cable car from San Francisco, you don't see that on many menus anymore, but that was a revelation, you know, uh, 15 or 17 years ago. The fourth category, which Martin encouraged me to do, are critics' choices. There are just about thirteen or fifteen of these. These are not classics. These are just drinks that I like, and I think they should be classics. Cool. Um, so, to me,
3: a modern classic. Uh, it actually, I guess, I, I lean more towards some of the like the the like first tier uh, kind of stuff where it's. Stuff like, it, like more like ingredients that have been around for a very long time. It's just <laughs> so happens that they haven't been mixed together in a certain way or claimed by anyone yet, you know? Like, you know, back in the, the late 19th century, uh, when all the, the cocktail books started coming out, there was, it was like the Wild West, man. And everyone, you know, a thousand different martini variations, but you change just one thing, maybe it's just like, Twist of orange instead of uh, Lemon. And then, alright, it's got a new name now. Done. And like, if you were one of those founding pioneers and if you published it first, you could have essentially 20 different Manhattans with different garnishes and give them all different names. And well, you invented all those. Um, If it came out in the press, uh, if it was published, then that was yours. Um, So what I find really interesting about um Things like you know, Andre Saunders, like Old Cuban and Oaxaca, Old Fashion, and the the Gold Rush. I mean, my God, like everyone knows what a Gold Rush is, and that's a very influential drink. Yeah, and but you know, something about like the Gold Rush;
4: those ingredients have been around forever. It's just yeah, it's a whiskey sour with honey. Yeah, but nobody did that, so no one did it. You can make no. that small change, and you know, and the world is yours. What do you think? One of the more
3: Modern techniques would be with one of these modern classics. Like it, outside of uh, classic ingredients, do you think that there's a, a technical aspect in the way that it's produced? Stirred chicken garnished something that uh, something that really stands out that wouldn't be necessarily something
4: that was done back in the day. That uh, well, there are two obvious uh, examples: the Benton's old-fashioned. Uh, Nobody in the golden age of cocktails in the late 1800s was fat washing, bacon fat washing whiskey. I think we can say that safely. Yeah. Um, the other one would be uh, the barrel aged Negroni. That's interesting in that it's a drink that existed for a long time. The only difference is the process. You know, Jeffrey Morgenthaler put it in a barrel for seven weeks, took it out, and created a worldwide trend. Um, that, I believe, had been done from time to time before prohibition people would actually put cocktails in barrels you can find documentation but it wasn't widespread so those are two and that that one is huge i mean the it's ridiculously huge i mean i've never seen a cocktail trend spread spread faster than barrel aging it's i mean
3: uh, although it's not a cocktail trend uh as far as the drinks trend it definitely like put a shadow on the pickleback <laughs> but yeah i mean nowadays like everywhere like almost like any cocktail bar that you go to uh i'm gonna I say almost any cocktail bar you go to anywhere really there's a barrel somewhere they have a, at least one barrel aged cocktail. yeah and it's insane i mean there's one from uh oh geez now i'm forgetting the name it's a place in dc um they are leather aging a cocktail, like a an old bota bag. Really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I mean it's the barrel though is like it's it's been such a such a big trend and it spread so fast that you know, all these distilleries that used to have these used barrels mm-hmm. just for experimenting with Now you're on a wait list
4: to get one. Exactly. So that's pretty impressive. But, you know. What's a modern technique? It it spread easily because it's idiot proof. You get one of those barrels, you put the cocktail in, you wait seven weeks, you strain it. You're not going to screw it up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I like.
2: As long as you soak the barrel first.
4: (laughs) uh, Which which is what I did. I did not soak the barrel first. So Uh, a lot of Campari went on the floor. Oh, man. Um. Do you mind if I like turn the table here? Now you've got a drink on this list, Damon. The hard start. Mm -hmm. Now I want to hear from a bartender's perspective how they know one of their drinks has taken off and is being done beyond their bar. Um, Well, that's a good question.
3: Um, To me, it's it's definitely if it's being made in a different city. That's the first step. And do you hear about it by chance, or do they ask your permission? Absolutely. Uh, they, well, no. I I don't think that that's a... I, I would be really surprised if a bartender turned someone down or, like, got upset about seeing their cocktail on another menu. I've seen some of my cocktails on menus in Virginia, California. I know that, like, with the hard start itself, it's such a quick... I mean, it is... in. And I, I really appreciate you putting it on your app, and that, that's
4: very flattering to me. Well, I um, remember the first time I had it, and you know it was remarkable. I mean, you were such a, a pusher of Fernet back then. I think you were one of the foremost in the city. Um, and then you know it, it just didn't go away. You know, yeah. it's like everyone knew what that drink was in New York anyway.
3: There is a technique involved with it, but because it, there's kind of a rule um, where you're supposed to serve them in twos, in pairs. Uh, because you're supposed to grab both bottles of fernet and brock and Menta, two glasses pour one uh of each in the two glasses and that you're holding in one hand and then you turn the glasses around and then pour the other half into the other glass thus making a 50 50 mix and then having two glasses so two four six eight there's if you have seven people in your party and you make eight, you're always going to find that eighth person somewhere who's going to want to join you in that. But I, I, I have noticed that a lot of bars have pre-bottled it and they have it in their well, just ready to go at all times. And that to me is really cool too, because that means that they're serving that drink so often that they, they went ahead and, and pre-batched it. Um, but I do find it really, uh, flattering when i get a boomerang from another city uh traveling shot or or cocktail and you know always packaged in a wacky way and it's you know someone will send me from like la they'll send a hard start to me and like that's kind of that's kind of when you know like if somebody's sending your own drink to you from another city in another state or country then then you know you've kind of yeah that's kind of it isn't it you've kind of hit that level um but, yeah, and, and, you know, the hard start was meant to be, uh, in, in true, like, early cocktail fashion, it's meant to be a bracer. It, it was invented as a brunch shot. Um, <laughs> oh. That's why it's called a hard start. You pop the clutch and get going. It's um, a great name. <laughs> um, but I've heard it called a heart stopper. <laughs> uh, I've heard it called a lot of other things. So yeah, It is I mean,
4: that as well.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... I think what's really cool about it, you know looking through the list of all these cocktails, a lot of these people are buddies of mine, and it's just great to see that you know these cocktails have gotten to a level where they are known, you know, like the and and enjoyed, and especially mm-hmm. amongst the uh, the bar crowd, but also to their customer base as well. Um, the Broncolata. Uh, yeah, favorite CIA. of mine. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah. These are these are great things. I mean, the Green Point, How how did that not exist a hundred years ago?
4: You know, who knows? It may have, and we just don't know about it. It's but just, it's a notice. great drink <laughs> uh, for those who haven't had it. Basically, a Manhattan with some Chartreuse in there. I mean, uh, duh. That's, yeah. It should have been that's, written. Uh, I mean, Martin knows about this. In the early days, it was much easier to invent new drinks, you know, because there weren't so many mixologists, and they hadn't
2: tried so many things. It's amazing how, um, well, yes, that's that's true. The pool of available ingredients was also much, much smaller. Sure. Um, it's uh, what is kind of my bugaboo, just because my predicament spending so much time in old books is just the, sh- the staggering amount of plagiarism, pointless plagiarism that, you know, given, given all of the opportunities they had to be inventive, uh, how little in innovation there actually was in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, uh, that, that actually kind of possibly uh, gets me back to something you were saying earlier, Damon, about, uh, Associating classic cocktails with classic ingredients, um, I think that's an, an interesting aspect in this whole a- attempt to apply critical thought to uh, the, the, bo- the the canon or the body of work. Um, there are a lot of great drinks that I thought might wind up in this collection that didn't. Um, and some bartenders who aren't really represented in here. And I, that's inevitably going to be something that people who go looking at this list, go looking for themselves in it, uh, or looking for their personal favorites, they might, might be surprised to not find in them. And a lot of that does actually come back to ingredients. Um, to take a, a really extreme example, one, one, one mixologist I have a great deal of respect for is Tony Conigliaro. Tony Canigliaro makes fantastic drinks. The only problem is that the only person who can make Tony Canegliaro's drinks <laughs> right, I mean, is Tony Canigliaro. That's
4: true. I think he he knows that he chose a certain path. Yeah. You know, with very complicated techniques that it that's, was almost you you could have predicted at the beginning of his career that he was not going to invent a modern classic cocktail because we can't recreate them very easily. Not
3: everyone has a centrifuge and a rotovap in their bar, you know. Mhm.
2: Um, but, even, but that doesn't mean he hasn't created delicious drinks oh, yeah, and not. does every yeah. day. Even some, some mixologists are, are very oriented, particularly today, towards um, extremely precise formula in using often a large number of extremely specific ingredients mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily homemade, but they may be rare. They right. may be difficult to come by, and we, we have a number of bars that do this uh, extremely well. But they also almost immediately disqualify themselves from this kind of, well, at least from the rules as we've defined them for what a modern classic is. Because, again, the the bar becomes too high to replicate the drink. Mm-hmm. It's not going to catch on, at least not in the form that it was created in originally. It might get a, yeah. adapted a sort of a pigeon version of it. Hypothetically, might catch on.
4: Another good example of that: a uh, very esteemed bartender, Eben Freeman, mm-hmm. has done a lot of innovation. We all know his work when he was at WD50 and Taylor, and many other bars. And um, but his his drinks were too complex to duplicate. I mean, everyone, well, in the cocktail world, knows this drink called the Whalen that was served at Taylor, and is basically. Uh, you know a bourbon and coke but the coke was smoked and you needed a certain kind of equipment and so if you didn't have that kind of equipment in order to smoke the coke you're not going to make this drink you know it's a famous drink but it it can't really become a, a classic
3: also you should never smoke coke
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> just saying that for the kids out there yeah, yeah. Um, stay safe kids stay safe well you know what um let's uh i mean we're right at the end of the show um I'm really psyched for you guys uh, on creating this app and getting it out there. It just came out yesterday. Um, And now we're going to go to my bar, to Grand Army, and enjoy some some modern classics. And I'll tell you what, uh, for the people out there listening, if you are one of the three first people to bring up this very special promo code at the bar tonight... They're going to be handing out three free downloads, but you have to be there in person to get it. So come on out to Grand Army. It's 336 State Street in downtown Brooklyn. And hang out with Martin. Hang out with Robert. Hang out with myself, Katie Stipe, Kevin Baird.
4: Everyone's going to be there. And and you can get one of the drinks on the app, the Siesta, made by its author, Katie Stipe. She will be exactly. there tonight, 5 to 7. And what a, what a
3: charmer. She is. <laughs> um, all right, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm really happy to have you both back in the studio. And yeah, let's go have a drink, y'all. All right. Thanks, Thank you. Damon. That's it for this week. Cheers, y'all.
1: Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network.